Uh, I'm excited to share part six of our series entitled The First Letter from John. And this is a letter that John writes to the early church. And we're going to be unpacking chapter four today, the first six verses. I just want to make sure that before I preach that I'm preaching to the right people today, meaning that um, there's some people here to ke- that came to hear a word from God. If you like, like, I really mean that, like you didn't just come to church to to come to church. You didn't just come to church to warm up a, a seat. But I, I want to preach to some hungry people that came to hear a word from God. And if you came to hear a word from the Lord, give God a shout of praise in this room. I want to share with you 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 through 6, six verses. To be honest, um, these verses are not the most popular verses to preach on. I've never, ever preached on these six verses in my 20 years of preaching. Never, ever preach on these six verses. Um, But these verses, this is what I love about the series that we're doing for this summer, is that we're going through an entire letter of the Bible or an entire book of the Bible. And what that does is that it allows us to unpack that for us. So we're preaching whatever is there. Come on, somebody. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to preach whatever is there. And I really believe that as I was working on this message uh, Wednesday and, and Thursday, the Lord gave me a message for this church. And I pray that you receive it. Now, again, when you read this text, it's not the easiest text to read or hear because we're going to be talking about false prophets today. Come on, somebody. Look at the person next to you. Tell them you're a false. No, I'm just joking. Don't, don't, don't do that. But we're going to be talking about false prophets today. And this is how John starts his letter. He says, beloved, someone shout beloved. He says, beloved, do not believe every spirit, whether they are of God. No, he says, do not believe every spirit, but test every spirit. Test the spirit, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And this is the Spirit, and it says every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ came from the flesh is of God, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. What John is doing, he's kind of setting you up with some criteria for you to assess what is a false message or what is a false prophet. He continues to say, and this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming, but he says is now already in the world. Now, I want you to connect this because sometimes we kind of separate what's going on here. It says, this is the spirit that's now in the world. But look what it says. He says, you are of God. You are of God, little children, and you have overcome them. You have overcome this spirit of the Antichrist that is in the world today and it's still here why why have you overcome because he who is in you is greater than this spirit of the antichrist that is in the world they are of the world therefore they speak as of the world and the world hears them we are of God he who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. I just want to go back to that verse where it says, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. My title to today's message is testing false prophets. Testing false prophets. Prophets, Man, I'm, I've been up here for five minutes already. My goodness, the devil is a liar. Lord, we reset this clock. In Jesus' name, testing false prophets. Help me pray. Heavenly Father, I'm going to make this prayer short and sweet because I got to go. I just pray that you speak to your people, Lord God, in a way that I cannot. Less of me, more of you, until there's none of me in all of you. That your love and strength be perfected in my weakness. Lord, speak to your people today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a strong clap offering of praise. 
Um, uh, we are in the month of August, and in the month of August, uh, Lisa and I get to celebrate our anniversary. By the way, this, in two weeks, we would have made 11 years married. Come on, somebody. 11. I mean, look at this face. Do I not look like the happiest man on earth? Come on. 11 years. Amen, Pastor Lisa. Uh, 11 years married. And, and I want to be honest with you that I've learned some things in marriage. In 11 years, I've learned how to speak wife. And it doesn't, it takes way more than a video from Steve Trevino to teach you how to speak wife, but it takes 11 years for you to learn how to speak wife. Do we have any fellas in the house? Fellas, I'm going to help you out today. Did you see that? Did you see what Javi did? The ladies have no clue what just happened, but we have just been synchronized in the room. Um, um, one of the things that I've learned, and I'm just going to help some of the fellas out today, is that I learned how to speak wife, which, which really means this, that I learned that there will be times in my marriage that I am going to be going through a test and not even know it. I am going to be tested and not even know that I am in the middle of a test. Because, amen, come on somebody. Right? So, so what I mean is that th there are times in early, in the earlier part of my relationship with Lisa, in, 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 you know, when I was a rookie, you know what I'm saying? Like year one, year two, like I thought I was doing a good thing, but I was actually being tested because there were times that I would see the house was absolute mess. The house was an absolute mess and I would see Lisa cleaning it up and I would be like, baby, do you need my help? To which she answered, facing the opposite direction. I'm on this side. Her whole neck turned all the way back to look at me. And she said, made, she made eye contact with me and she said, no, I'm good. Fellas, can I tell you, she is not good. Now, I thought that I was passing the test because when she said I am good, I thought she meant I am good, which means that I am good because she's good. So I'm going to go back to chilling while she cleans up the house. I thought. I thought that I was passing the test because I was offering my services. But 11 years into it, can I tell you, can I preach a testimony to you? I have learned, my friends, that I was failing the test, not because I didn't know that she wasn't good when she said I'm good. I was failing the test because I was offering my services when I should have been jumping in there and not even say, baby, can I help you? I would have just jumped in there, got my hands dirty and say, baby, we're going to do this together. What do you mean? I'm going to help you get out of the way. I got this for us. Like I learned that through the years. Or, or maybe when I say, baby, are you okay? And she says, I'm fine. Fellas, can I tell you? This is a test. This is a test because I'll tell you right now, she is not fine. So, so when I say, hey, are you okay? And Lisa says, I'm fine. You know what I've learned to do? This is what you got to do. You got to sit next to her and don't you dare, don't you dare. Listen to me. Listen to me. Don't you dare offer your advice to try to solve the issue that doesn't make her fine. What I'm saying is she's going she's gonna to start sharing with you her grievances and you're going to sit there and you're just going to listen to her like you care deeply about everything she is saying. And don't you dare offer any advice because she doesn't want you to, she doesn't want to tell you her problems so that you can fix her problems. She wants you to hear her. And what you're going to do is you're going to sit there and watch this. I got a recipe. You just got to nod. Don't you dare, don't, cause it, you know, fellas, you know exactly where your mind's going. You're, you're, you know how to solve her issue, but you can't tell her that because that's not, that, that's not why she went to you. Okay. So you know the issue she's dealing with and you're just going to not. And I, there's a couple of things that you could tell her. You could be like, I, I mastered this. You go like this, a couple of phrases. Really? Keep nodding. She's going to keep talking. You're going to be like, for real? Then you got to throw a wow in there. Wow. Marcus, 
knows. And this, and, and, and right, like, you just keep it on repeat. And then you got to do, that's crazy. So you just got to go on repeat, like, really? For real? Wow. That's crazy. Come on, do it with me. Really? For real? Wow. That's crazy. I just saved some relationships here today. I'm just, I just helped somebody out. Because, because and, and they got to throw this one, this, and when she's done, 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 you got to be like, but you knew that was going to happen, right? You knew that was going to happen. And you just give her a pat on the back. You are taking a test. Oh, and by the way, if you're in the middle of an argument and she looks at you and she says, okay, friends, your life is in jeopardy. I'm just, I'm just, you are not okay. I'm letting you know that right now. You are taking a test. And this is the language that is used in John's writing. He says, hey, listen, a test needs to take place when you're talking to certain people. He said, there's certain people that are going to approach you. There are certain people that are going to address you. There's going to be certain people that are going to talk to you on, on the behalf of Jesus. And you got to be willing to give them a test. Because there are certain things that you cannot take at, at face value. There are certain things that you cannot just take at, 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 at just that face value and just believe everything. Because on the surface, things might be similar. But when you go down deeper, you see that they are light years apart from each other. So you've got to be able to test the spirit is what John says. Because there are going to be false prophets that are going to come knocking at your door. There are going to be false prophets that are going to make friendship with you. And you got to be able to test the spirit to see if it's uh, the real thing or if it's a counterfeit. The reason that we got to test the spirit is because so much that comes our way can seem authentic but still be a counterfeit. So much that comes our way can seem like it's palatable on the surface, but problematic when you search much deeper. So much that can come our way can seem like the real thing, but be a fraud in disguise. And John is saying, hey, you have to be able to decipher what is the real thing and what is false. Like, And, and, and here's what he's trying to get at. What he's trying to get at is that the truth and lies have similarities. What's true and false have similarities. And I had this analogy that I thought about this way. I don't know if you've seen these, these diabolical demons that have come to New York City. I don't know if you've seen them. They call them like lantern flies. Have you seen them? Can we, can, they are so disrespectful. Like they would, they ha, they would just straight up land on your shoulder and be like, how you doing? These, these things are so disrespectful. Like, I saw Pastor Marquez killed one of them on social media the other day, and I was like, wow, praise the name of Jesus. <laughs> because they are in your space. They, now, now watch this. Now, there's this other thing that has wings, and it's called an eagle. You ever seen this? You see, you can kind of draw a parallel here, and, and you could be like, let, let's, let's put them together. Oh, they both have eyes? They both have legs, they both have wings on the surface if you're describing them. Look at these creatures, they both can fly. You see, on the surface, it actually looks like they are very similar. But when you go down deeper, you realize that this lantern flying fly cannot compare at all to a bald eagle. Come on, somebody. You know that when you go down deeper, upon further observation, upon further research, you realize that these things are not similar at all, though they have certain similarities. And, and here's what John is getting at. He's getting at this thing like so many of God's children have settled for what seems to be similar to what's authentic. So many of God's children have settled to, with something that seems like it looks like love. Something that it seems like it looks like satisfaction. 
something that it seems like it looks like purpose. But I don't know about you. In a couple of months, I will be 40 years old and I am tired of the knockoff version of love. I'm tired of the knockoff version of satisfaction. I'm tired of the knockoff version of purpose. I want to be like Mary J. Blythe. And she said, I'm searching for that real love. I don't know about you, but I'm searching for that real purpose. I'm searching for that real hope. I'm searching for that real satisfaction and that it can only be found in the authentic Jesus. John says, test the spirit because they are no neutral spirits. They are either of man, false, or of the spirit of God, which is the spirit of truth. Look what he says. He says in verse 1, he says, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit whether they are of God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you will know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of the Spirit of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of the Spirit of God. See, John begins by giving you the power that can test the Spirit. Because it says, Beloved. Hey, before you, you can test the spirit, I want to let you know that you are a beloved child of God. Before you test the spirit, I want you to know that you are loved, that you are treasured, that you are accepted, that you are wanted, that you are purposed, that you are empowered, and that you are a beloved child of God. And because of that, you need to know what to allow into your life and what not to allow in your life. He says, this is how you can know and this is how you can ex distinguish the authentic and the real from the counterfeit. He wants God's children to be able to discern whether something is of God. And in this context, he's speaking to a group of false prophets who have kind of smuggled themselves into the church. And what they started preaching was this message that, yeah, Jesus, he is God, but he was, he was never really a man. So he's God, but he was never really a human. It was like a, a spiritual thing or maybe this symbolic thing. Oh, yeah, he resurrected, but he didn't physically resurrect. It was more like of a symbolic spiritual resurrection. Now, see, on the surface, that sounds real spiritual. But John is like, no, you are discrediting my Savior. See, because on the surface, it's almost like, yeah, he's super, he's, he's really Superman, but he's fronting like he's Clark Kent. See, but what the Bible teaches is that Jesus was fully God and he was fully man. And though it might on the surface sound spiritual for you to say that he was just only God, but he was not man whatsoever. On the surface, it sounds good, but John is like, no, don't try to discredit my savior. Because if you know anything about Jesus, Jesus, yes, he was the living water, but he was also thirsty. Yeah, he was the bread of life, but I also saw him be hungry. Like, you don't know my Jesus. Yes, he was a healer, but I also saw him feel pain. Yes, he is the source of my strength, but I also saw him fatigued when we traveled. Yes, he is the source of life, but I also saw him die a physical, painful death and resurrect. He's like, don't try to discredit my Jesus because even the writer of Hebrews would attest to this because it says that we do not have a high priest who cannot understand our weaknesses. We have a high priest who understands every temptation and testing that we've ever faced. John is saying a telltale sign of a false prophet is someone that tries to discredit Jesus in some way. And what he's saying is, is, if anyone is telling you different, they're only undermining the complete and finished work of Jesus. Don't you know Jesus, that he experienced bondage so that you can experience freedom? He's like, you're trying to say that he wasn't a human, but you don't understand that Jesus experienced physical hurt so that you can experience spiritual healing. Oh, he experienced physical rejection so that you can e experience spiritual acceptance from God. Oh, he experienced 
physical weakness so that we can experience spiritual strength. Oh, he experienced a physical death so that we can experience resurrection life. Oh, he experienced hatred and chastisement so that we can experience eternal love. If you know what I'm talking about, give God a praise in this place. A telltale of a false prophet is someone that tries to undermine and discredit in some way, shape, or form, who Jesus is, fully God and fully man. So John is like, hey, you need to test the spirit because it may sound similar, but when you look deeper, you might be deceived if you don't test the spirit. You might be deceived and you might take it for granted. You might be deceived and you might take it as truth. And I don't want my little ones, I don't want my children to be deceived about who Jesus is. So he says, you got to test the spirit because there are no neutral spirit. It's either of God or it's either of man. He says this in verse three, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit, watch this, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard that is coming, but it's now here. Now, in this context, what John is doing is that John is speaking about, he's not speaking about a political figure. He's speaking about a spirit that goes against who Christ is. He's concerned that God's children can be misled by embracing some false version of who Christ is and what he stands for. And he's saying, hey, I need you to learn how to recognize what is true and what is false because there are going to be some people that are going to come and preach to you something that sounds similar, but you got to be able to test it to see if it's real. And can I give you just, just, just three quick handles? For you to be able to discern if something is of God, if you're testing the spirit and it's a spirit of God or if it's the spirit of man. Here's the first one. Number one, write this down. Is it biblical? I want you to write that down. Is it biblical? As God's children, one of the best ways we can prevent ourselves from being deceived is by understanding biblical truth. That's the way we can test. What we are preaching, what's being proclaimed, What's being released, you have to ask this question. Is it consistent with biblical truth? And I want to be honest, so many of God's children have been deceived because they haven't embraced biblical truth. So many of God's children have been deceived by false messages and false prophets and have been even abused spiritually because they haven't allowed themselves to learn biblical truth. And what John is saying is that, hey, the Antichrist, he'll always preach a message that is similar, but it'll appear, it'll appeal to your senses. It will appeal to your emotions. It will appeal to your logic. And us as God, as God's children, we have to be able to evaluate those things and say things like, Okay, I want to know my purpose. What does the scripture say about it? I want to be in a relationship. What does the Bible say about it? I want to be in a marriage. What does the Bible say about it? Because when you know God's word and you know what's authentic and you know what's true, you won't allow yourself to buy into a counterfeit version of what you're looking for. The second thing is, is it Jesus glorifying? One of the ways God's children can discern if this, if something is of God or if something is false, here's what you got to ask. Is it Jesus glorifying? What do I mean? That there is a message that goes out there that undermines Jesus and his sufficiency. That there is a message that you will hear. It's popular in our society. It's pop popular in church culture. And it'll always have enough of Jesus for you not to get skeptical. But it will also insert itself some form of self-help and some form of religious obligation and religious appeal. It'll insert some form of, hey, you do your part and God will do his. And what John is saying is like, this is the Antichrist's message. 
This is a, a message that is consistent with the world. This is why John says, hey, the world knows this and the world hears this. But because you belong to God, you, you hear us. And so the me- there's always a message that is consistent with, hey, Jesus does his part, but it always makes Jesus inadequate to do everything. And what the spirit of the Antichrist does is that it gives you a message that appeals to your self-help, to your doing, because Jesus is not enough. Watch this. A true message of the gospel says Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Jesus plus nothing gives you faith. Jesus plus nothing is the grace of God. That is the message of the gospel. And what a counterfeit message looks like is like, yeah, Jesus plus a little bit of you. Jesus and a little bit of your devotion. Jesus and a little bit of. And so that's why oftentimes different worldviews will undermine who Jesus is and his sufficiency. So if it's Jesus is a prophet, oh no, that's not consistent with the Jesus I know. Jesus is a lowercase God? Nope, that's not consistent with the Jesus I know. Jesus, oh, he'll do his part, but you do your part. No, that's not consistent with the Jesus that I know. And John wants to make it clear is that there is a message, and it's the message of the Antichrist that will always point to your inadequacy so that you can do your part. Jesus says, I do it all, and you go along for the ride. Here's here's the third thing. Write this down. Is it Holy Spirit led? Is it Holy Spirit led? Now, I'm, I'm really aware that when we talk about the Holy Spirit, so much gets smuggled in to this notion of the Holy Spirit. Like, I've heard so many things that people have said, done, and they've blamed it. Not on the, I, 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 they blamed it on the whole, whole Holy Spirit. That's what they did. And so I've, I've heard, hey, pastor, I got, you know what, the Holy Spirit? And I'm like, hold, hold on a second. How do you know it's the Holy Spirit? Well, the Bible calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth. That means that it's always consistent to his word. See, the Holy Spirit will never lead you to do something that goes against what God's word has already declared. Here, here's one of the primary responsibilities of the Holy Spirit. You want to know what it is? To remind you the teachings of Jesus. So if it's not Jesus glorifying, it may, it may be a spirit, but it may not be the Holy Spirit. Hear me. And so what John is saying is that, hey, there's, there, you need to understand what it means to be Holy Spirit led because I saw Jesus and he was Holy Spirit led. I saw Jesus when he healed people it's because he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. When he set the captive free is because he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Like when he was able to walk on water is because he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. So when I saw the Holy Spirit operate in Jesus' life, it looked a certain way. And the way you're saying that it's the Holy Spirit, it doesn't look like what Jesus looked like. And that's a perfect way for you to be able to distinguish if something is false or something is true. If it's consistent with Jesus glorifying and it's consistent with the scripture, then it's led by the Holy Spirit. Also, oh, Jesus is not God? Nope, that's not Holy Spirit. Jesus is just a prophet? Nope, that's not Holy Spirit. Oh, let me sell you this miracle for $59.99 and you will receive a healing. Sorry, Jesus never sold any of the miracles powered by the Holy Spirit. That ain't the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be so bold to say it. If your boyfriend and girlfriend is trying to have private lessons, Bible study lessons, come on, let's go study the Bible together in my room. Sorry, sweetheart, that ain't the Holy Spirit. Right? That ain't the Holy Spirit. That's not consistent with the teachings of Scripture. And that's not consistent with the glorification of Jesus. Because the Bible says that the Holy Spirit doesn't put you into temptation. He actually sets you free from temptation. 
I don't know about you, but the Holy Spirit that I know, the Holy Spirit that leads me, he always provided a fire escape. He always provided an extinguisher. He always had a life vest that thrown me. That's the Holy Spirit I know. The Holy Spirit doesn't put me in a place that's going to put me to fail. He puts me in a place that's going to set me free from temptation and bondage. That's the Holy Spirit. So how do you know? Well, is it biblical? Is it Jesus glorifying? Is it led by the Holy Spirit? Now, what does that, what does that mean for us as God's children? Does it mean that we go now about chasing and looking for people to critique them on their theology and to call everybody that maybe doesn't know Jesus in this manner a false prophet? Can I tell you something? God has never called us to be wolf hunters. I want to be clear because this is what happens. You just need to search the internet. We got a bunch of wolf hunters instead of shepherds of sheep. See, God never called you to be a wolf hunter. He called you to be a shepherd of sheep. And what that means is that you equip the sheep so that when the wolf comes, they are prepared to call the shepherd. To call the shepherd to set them free from any danger. That's what God called us to do. He didn't call us for now, for us to go now and shout people out and say, oh, this person's a heretic and this person is a false prophet and this person, oh, they don't align with the Bible. No, no, no. We're not looking to create division amongst the body of Christ because there are so many, watch this, especially for the secondary issues in the kingdom of God. There's so much division because of secondary issues in the kingdom of God. And we're so quick to call people false prophets and wolves when God didn't call us to be wolf hunters. And I just love the zeal of the wolf hunters. There's websites of wolf hunters. There's YouTube page of wolf hunters. And it's all in the name of, I just want to protect God's sheep. No, you just want to go around. Like there's just some people that like killing wolves. Like, you know it ain't about the sheep. It's more about you wanting to kill wolves. And God is saying, I, I didn't call you to be a wolf hunter. I called you to be a protector of sheep. That means you stay by the sheep. You lead the sheep. You equip the sheep. You stand by them. You teach them true doctrine so that they can know the voice of the shepherd and not the voice of a sheep or a wolf that disguised in sheep's clothing. He says, that's why I'm talking to you, my little children. I need you to know this, that you have to test the spirit. You don't have to go looking for what's false and what's true. You just have to be able to decipher it when it comes knocking on your door. You got to be able to discern it when it comes knocking on your door. Now, with that being said, I do want to shout out a false prophet. And this is a lady. Her name is Prophetess Anne. She's, she started on the internet a while ago. Um, I don't know if you guys know her, but she's, she's been on the internet and she does these YouTube videos and, and Prophetess Anne is like, she's going viral nowadays. She's been around for a long time. You guys might not know her by this name. Maybe you know her by her full name, Prophetess Anxiety. Oh, she's a heretic. You know why? Because she undermines the teaching of scripture. And she makes Jesus small in your life. And she pulls you away from the Holy Spirit. Oh, prophetess Anne has inserted herself into the kingdom as a true teacher. And can I tell you some of her messages? This is, this is one of her messages. I, lo I looked her up on YouTube and, and this is one of her mess messages is, your stress is going to control you today. Have you ever heard that message from Pro prophetess Anne? Anxiety? You've heard that message, right? Oh, your stress is going to control you today. How about this one? Your problems are far greater than you think they are. Oh, how about this one? You always need to think worst case scenario. Oh my goodness, have I heard that message over and over and over and over again. And prophetess Anne will begin to preach you a message that says, hey, are you going to do something about it? Because your God isn't, so you need to take control of it. See, prophetess Anne's messages don't teach you how to be led by the Holy Spirit. They teach you how to be led by your circumstances. But can I show you what Peter writes about prophetess anxiety? Look what it says in verse 6 of 
First Peter chapter five, verse six and seven. It says, humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he might lift you up in due time. Look what verse seven says. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares. You know what I realized about this? That the, the person that wrote this was a person that dealt with prophetess anxieties messages. Because if you know anything about Peter, oh, he, he, he lived like he was under stress. That, that's why I love this. And look at the word he uses, cast. That's a fisherman's term. The same word that Jesus told him when he said, cast your net on the other side. He said, here's what I learned about casting. That in the same way I could cast my net, I can cast the message of anxiety on my Jesus because he is able to contain it and sustain it. He's able to control my anxiety. He's able to sustain my, contain me. Why? Because he's a millionaire? No, because he cares about you. And this is, this is Peter. I could imagine Peter when he was writing this at this point, he's at his old age and Peter is saying, listen, I've taken anxiety's messages and I've casted them over to Jesus because this prophet has lived too long in my life and I've had her on podcast and I've heard her and she's shown up when I was fishing one day. Oh my goodness, I couldn't catch a thing and prophetess anxiety came and she was like, how are you going to provide for your family? You ain't catching nothing. You got two kids at home and you can't even catch anything. You're an unskilled fisherman. Everybody else is catching. You ain't catching jack how are you going to support yourself but here's what happened i took that message that prophet's anxiety gave me and i casted it over to jesus because he came to me and he says cast your net on the other side and i saw jesus perform a miracle when i casted my anxiety on him there was a time that i was walking i was on a ship in the middle of a storm oh my anxiety was acting up oh my god i was going through it i thought i was gonna die but jesus came forward and he said peter come forth and walk. I took anxiety's message and I casted it over to Jesus. There was a time that anxiety was just preaching to me and preaching to me. Why? Because I denied my Savior three times. And you know what I did? I casted my anxiety over to Jesus. And he reminded me how much he loves me and that I still love him three times. Peter would tell us Cast that message of prophetess, this false prophet, cast it over to Jesus. Jesus said it to us, didn't he? He says, don't be anxious about anything. He says, don't be. He says, don't be anxious about what you, because anxiety, prophet's anxiety will tell you that. It'll be like, hey, hey, uh, uh, you need to worry about tomorrow. Prophetess Anne will tell you that all day. Hey. Tomorrow, how are you going to pay for that bill? Oh, you're how old? You're how old and you still haven't overcome that situation? Anxiety will preach to you if you allow her. And Jesus says, don't be anxious about what you have to eat. What you, you know what it says? It says, don't be anxious about things because these are the thoughts of people that don't know God. You know what, you know what, you know what Jesus is saying? He's saying, if you, if you really knew me. One time I, I accused Lisa of something. I accused her of something. And she was like, she's like, hi, my name is Lisa. Get to know me. Can I tell you what Jesus wants to tell some of you today? Hey, my name is Jesus. Get to know me. Because when you know me, you know I'm a good, good father. And you ain't got to worry about Jack. And you ain't got to worry about tomorrow. Because I contain your tomorrow. Can I give you, let me give you another prophet. Prophet or oh, evangelist. Oh, you ever heard of O? Evangelist O. You never heard of evangelist O? He's mad famous on the internet. He's a false prophet. I'm just being honest. Evangelist, let me give you his full name. O Fence. This is a false prophet. You know why? Because it goes against the teachings of scripture. And it makes little of what Jesus has accomplished. And it is not led by the Holy Spirit. It is led by your feelings. And evangelist O will preach you a false message. That will make you feel good at first. But then you will feel rotten within. 
and you'll feel unhappy and unfulfilled and unsatisfied. There's a, there was an article that says, it says society has become addicted to being offended because it gives them a false sense of righteousness. Can you imagine that? That society has become addicted to off, being offended because being offended psychologically makes you feel a certain level of self-righteousness. When God is saying, what if you were addicted to releasing forgiveness because you've already been made righteous by the forgiveness that I surrendered to you? This is what offense, evangelist offense will tell you. He says, wow, really? Oh, you know they had it in for you. You know what uh, evangelist offense will tell you? He says, you can't trust people. Oh yeah, Jesus was never offended, but you're no Jesus. They don't deserve your forgiveness. They didn't even apologize. What happens? Watch this. You have to decide whether you're going to make offense a moment or a mentality. See, prophet evangelist offense is going to come to you and he's going to preach a good message. But you have to decide whether you're going to make it a moment or you're going to embrace his message as a mentality. Can I tell you what Colossians says? It says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you just as you, so you must forgive others. What's the secret to forgiving others? Remembering what they did to you? No, remembering how much you've been forgiven. That's a secret. I can't tell you any other way. So if you have issues with your brother, can I tell you, you're going to be offended. Can I tell you a little secret? Before I die, I'm going to offend you guys at least once. That was supposed to be funny. Thank you, Pastor Ruben. I appreciate it. I'm going to offend you at least once. It's impossible to go a life without offending someone. You're going to be offended. I can't tell you how many complaints I got when we started this church that Reuben doesn't say hi to anybody. And I was like, Reuben, people are going to leave the church. Just start shaking their hands. He's like, we either have pro presenter or you want me to be part of the greeting team. One or the other. <laughs> You're going to be offended. The question is, are you going to make it a mentality? Or you're just going to leave it for a moment. It was a moment, and that moment stays there. But I'm not going to embrace it as a mentality. Can I, the last one, let me give it to you in the 60 second that I have. The last one is Pastor Comp. This one gets me. Does anybody know him? Oh, you, oh y'all know him. Oh, y'all know this pastor, huh? Pastor Come Arison. Can I tell you? I've listened to this man's podcast so many times. Can I tell you the one I struggle with the most? Pastor Comp Arison. Why? Because he has an amazing Instagram following. Because you'll be, you'll be having your, your Wendy's dinner and you'll take a picture and you'll post it on Instagram. And right there, as soon as you post it, you scroll up and your friends are at Gordon Ramsay's restaurant. <laughs> Hashtag the blessed life. Hashtag favor ain't fair. I was loving my Wendy's until I saw your Gordon Ramsay lobster. This vegan burger ain't cutting it. Have you been there? Watch this. This message, this preacher will always tell you your house ain't like theirs. 
your marriage is not as good as theirs. Your car is not as good as theirs. Your church is not as big as theirs. Your church doesn't love you as much as their church loves them. You're never going to make it. They've already had. Your vacation is that you call what you did a vacation. That ain't comparison will preach to you. And you know what his message is? Compare, compare, compare. Why? Because the more you compare, the less satisfied you'll be. The more you compare, the more empty you will be. And you'll start thinking that God has more favor on them. And you'll start, watch this, ignoring the blessings in your life while resenting God's blessings over other people's lives. And what we're telling God is that God, we're not happy with the blessings you've given me. We need more. We're not enough with the body you've given me. I want something else. I'm not enough. I'm not adequate. I don't, they are. And can I read this scripture to you? Last scripture, first of uh, Philippians chapter four, verse 13. Watch this. Have you ever read this scripture? Isn't this a powerful scripture? I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I can do all things. This rocked my world because I used to always use this scripture when I wanted to get something, when I wanted to reach something, when I wanted to attain something. I was like, yo, ain't nothing impossible for God. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Can I tell you a little secret about this scripture? It has nothing to do with you getting more or accomplishing something. Watch this. Watch this. Can I show you the verse before it? Verse 12. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to be in plenty. I know and I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. What he's saying, the all things that you can do is learning how to be satisfied and content where it is that God has placed you, what it is that God has given you, no matter what season you're in, you can do all things because watch, Jesus is enough. Here he goes, here he goes. Listen to me, listen to me clearly. We're done. Get up on your feet. You will always be discontent. And you will always battle with comparison until Jesus becomes all you need. Hear me. And when Jesus, watch this, this is so good. When Jesus becomes all you need, everything in your life becomes a blessing. It's just, an, it's just an extra blessing. And watch. Your expectations of people don't become your entitlements of people. Because this is what happens in relationships, right? Because we see ourselves in need, I, I pull from Lisa to fix my, all my inadequacies. And I need something from her. And I need something from him. And I need something from them. You know what I teach my children? You don't need from people. You get to have whatever it is people gift you. So if they gifted you time, it's a gift. If they gifted you an hour conversation, it's a gift. Don't walk in offense. Don't walk in comparison. Don't walk in anxiety. Know that in Christ, you are enough. And so I don't pull, I don't need anything from Lisa. But whatever Lisa has to give me is a blessing and is a gift. Imagine what your life would look like if you didn't look at what people gave you as entitlements. But you look at them as gifts. Oh, I can't believe you didn't call me. I can't believe you didn't reach out to me. I can't. That's a gift. If you reached out to me or you didn't, I'm content. If you gave me a hundred dollars or you gave me a dollar, I'm content. 
because I'm not in satis- I'm not satisfied with what can be given to me. I'm satisfied with who he is within me. And Jesus says that you have been gifted with every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. Say this with me. I have everything that I need. Come on, come on. Say it like you believe it. Say, I have everything that I need. So how are you able to discern between false prophets? Well, is it biblical? Is it Jesus glorifying? Is it led by the Holy Spirit? It is able, it empowers you to be able to look at prophetess Anne and say, I got the peace that surpasses all understanding. It allows you to, 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 to look at uh, uh, comparison and offense and, and look at offense in the eye and say, hey, I know that this is a moment, but I'm not going to allow it to become a mentality in my life. Why? Because just the way he has forgiven me, I can forgive you. It allows you to look at comparison and says, I don't need to compare myself to Marlon. I don't need to compare myself to Yvette. I can look to Jesus because as he is, so am I in this world I am enough bow your heads close your eyes there's a lot of us that have embraced the lies of these false prophets in our life and I want to give you an opportunity to make Jesus enough in your life maybe you're here in this place today or maybe you're tuning in online and today is the day that we, we are able to decipher the spirit of truth from the spirit of error. If you're here today and you say, hey, I, I think I need to embrace who Jesus is and what he's done in my life more than ever. If that's you in this place, I want to pray for you. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor, can you just include me in this prayer? Can you just include me in this prayer? I want to pray for you. Lift your hands at the count of three. One two, three, lift it up, lift it up, lift it up, lift it up. Thank you, thank you. If you're watching in online, can you lift up your hand right there where you are? Maybe you're in your kitchen. Maybe you're in, in the bedroom, in the living room. Maybe you're doing laundry. Maybe you're at the coffee shop. Maybe you're at the park. But lift your hand right there where you are. And I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your love. Because of your love, I give you my life and I look forward to our journey together. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give God a praise in this house?